Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. Writing and publishing a nonfiction book might be one of your most powerful marketing strategies if you own a teaching or speaking business and the book can easily become your key asset for years to come. But how do you protect this amazing new intellectual property of yours? Nasira Haig is a virtual attorney based out of Los Angeles, California. She counsels U.S. and international clients on obtaining and protecting trademarks and copyrights, branding strategies, IP portfolio management, trade secrets, data protection, GDPR and U.S. privacy law compliance and other commercial matters. In this interview with Nasira, we dive into a number of legal aspects relevant to non-fiction authors. A quick disclaimer though, to be sure about the legal aspects of your own business specifically, I encourage that you seek your own legal counseling. We are talking in general here, even though it's tailored towards non-fiction authors and the matters that you are specifically interested in. And uh, this interview is definitely a start. This will help you know what to talk to your own attorney about, or at least do some protection of your work, okay? Amongst the other things that we talk about is how to protect your copyrights, how to not violate somebody else's rights, and how to deal with contributors to your book, such as designers, translators, agents, etc., so that you don't end up surprised that you have to pay them a part of your royalties. How is that for a cliffhanger? <laughs> so even though we talk about books here, a lot of the information also applies to your digital course. So let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Nasira. Thank you so much, Malene. It's such an honor to be here with you. I'm super happy that we finally made it happen. It's been uh, it's been difficult, <laughs> but but we managed. I know that's so, the unfortunate uh, scenario of ha- of being in two different time zones, but. Uh, but we did make it happen. Now we're we're talking, so I'm very happy about that. Me too. So first, I would like to ask you about, uh, or today we're going to talk about uh, copyright infringements of a book in the context of self-publishing and nonfiction book. And uh, I guess there are kind of two perspectives of there uh, from that, like protecting my own work and also not violating anybody else's work. So if we could start with protecting my own work, is it so that my creative work is protected already when I create it, or how is that? That's such a great question, Malene. And honestly, the answer very much depends on where you are in the world. Um, Copyright laws, there is an international uh, recognition and treaties related to copyrights, but still intellectual property is very territorial. But generally speaking, the universal understanding of how copyrights are created is pretty much as soon as you express your idea in in a tangible form, a copyright is created. So you don't really have to take any additional steps in creating a copyright. So um, to give you an example, if you have 
an idea for a book, a nonfiction book, and you've got um, a storyline, you've got some characters in your head, as long as it's in your head and it's an idea, that's not copyrightable. But as soon as you start writing it down, you've, um, you've named the characters, there is a story, and you've started writing it, even if it is one page, two page, that doesn't really matter. As soon as you've put it down in writing, it's in some tangible form, a copyright is created. And also, it doesn't necessarily just have to be in writing. So by a tangible form, it means that something that can, that you can point to and say it's recorded somewhere. So even if you pick up your phone and do a voice note, um, in some countries, even that would be considered copyrighted. So it depends on each country. And the other important thing to remember is that the United States has its unique copyright system, which is a little different from the rest of the world. So for the, for, for the U.S., copyrights are also created automatically as soon as you take your idea and turn it into a tangible form. But in the U.S., you have to take it a step further. If you want certain benefits, uh, and if you want people to stop copying you, you want uh, to enforce your rights, all of that is made much easier when you have a registration for your copyrightable work. So again, to go back to that example of the book, when you've written um, a first draft of the book, it's not really recommended that every time you do a draft, you send it to the copyright office, but definitely before you publish that book in the US, it's recommended that you submit a copyright application for your book. So that way, your book is protected when it's launched. And once it's launched, if someone is trying to copy you, try, trying to copy your book or sell unauthorized copies of your book, you can take that registration and submit online uh, IP violation claims. You can even use that registration to file lawsuits. Um, and you get a lot more benefits because when you have that registration, it is assumed that you are the rightful owner of that copyright. You don't have to prove your ownership per se. It's already assumed. But in the rest of the world, um, and I, I could be wrong, maybe there's another country that has a system like this. But as far as I know, in the rest of the world, you're not really required to take that additional step and register your copyrights. It's pretty much done as soon as you're, you put it in some tangible form. I guess you could say that as, I suppose as part of registering my work, I would uh, also kind of have proof that I was first with that work. Yeah. Absolutely. So what, what are the steps I need to take if I want to protect my work? How, how do I actually get registered? So in the U.S., um, the way the registration system works, it's fairly straightforward. You can do it online. Um, you can go to copyright.gov and there is an electronic uh, portal through which you can start your application. And in the application, they ask for certain important pieces of information, which is also very, very important for um, anyone who's creating something, including course creators, including uh, writers who are writing books or anytime you're creating something. There are certain things you have to be very, very mindful of. One of them being um, if there are other people who are helping you in your work. So say if you are writing a book and this person um, is doing 
the cover for the book, if they are doing the artwork for that, or if they are providing any kind of content, anytime someone is providing original work, original content, and it's part of your project, they also have copyrights. They own the rights to that work. Even if you pay them for it, they still own the rights. So one of the things when you start a copyright application is that they'll ask in the application, who are the owners? Who are the authors who prepared this work? And you could have more than one person. So it could be you. It could, it could be your graphic designer. It could be other people who are involved in the project. And if you don't have a copyright transfer agreement with them where once they finish the work, they transferred all their rights over to you, you have to account for them in the application and you have to give them credit. And if, if the rights are not properly transferred, they own copyrights in your work now. So if you go ahead and register that work, uh, you have to, first of all, give them credit, mention their names in the application. Um, and then whenever you sell copies of your work, they're in a way entitled to royalty because they hold the copyrights. So when you are thinking about registering your work for protection, this is one of the things that you have to be very, very careful about is understanding who actually owns rights to your work. And if there are multiple people who are involved in the project, do you have written contracts from them where they're telling you, okay, once I'm done with the project, I am done. I'm not claiming anything extra. You own all the rights now. And have they transferred their rights over to you? If they have not transferred their rights, um, then it's, it's a bit complicated because now you have multiple copyright owners. So that would be step one is when you are hiring people, at that point in time, you send them the contract, they understand what they're getting into, that they're not going to own any rights to their work, they're transferring it to you. And once that is done, your work is complete, your work is final, you can then take that work, submit it to the copyright office, and then once it's registered, all the rights belong to you. So that is one very simple and straightforward way of doing this so you don't have multiple owners. However, if you don't want to do that and you want to give ownership rights to anyone who worked with you, that's also totally fine. But it's also recommended, even for those scenarios, that you have a written contract in place with them at first. So you understand and they also understand that, okay, if they are claiming ownership, what does that mean in practical terms? Because you have to account for that in the application itself, because you have to say that, okay, this person's also an owner, this person's also an owner. So those things are important to kind of figure out before you start the application process. And what is it exactly that I can protect? Is it the book as a whole or do I need to protect certain uh, models or concepts or names, the title, or is it the book as a whole and then everything in that book is covered? It would be the book as a whole, generally. So if it's a nonfiction book, for example, and if you have um, like stories and characters, then all of those characters are copyrighted. However, um, words itself are not copyrightable. So that's an interesting distinction that even we have to really like grapple with as lawyers is words itself are not copyrightable. It's the whole. So if you're submitting a book, for copyright registration, it's probably not going to be the title of the book by itself that's protected, but it's a book overall. Then it includes the title, the layout, the story, the characters in that story. And 
Um, if if it's a nonfiction book where there's no stories, but say it's a book on self uh, self development, it's a book on uh, professional development, something like that, you can still get a copyright for the overall uh, overall layout of the book. What is uh, if if there's methods or processes that you're discussing, anything that's in that book is then copyrightable. But each individual word itself is not. So that's an interesting concept that even we have to honestly grapple with sometimes. How, how about an expert model that I gave a certain name? Could that be copyrighted as a whole or or, or yes. a, a process, a method, some specific steps like a, a system? So yeah, it depends, and it, it if it is a, a model um, that again, uh, it's a method, it's a process that you're teaching people, and you've put it say in the form of an ebook, then you are copywriting that entire ebook, which includes the uh, that process and that model. Um, and as far as the name is concerned, so uh, for books, if you have a series of books, if you're going to come out with say a part one, part two of of a, and it's a book series. For that name, you can get a trademark for the name of the book because it's part of a series. So it's it's a brand because trademarks will protect a brand um, and copyrights protect the original work. So as far as the name, you can look at trademarks, um, but you have to in the U.S. you have to have a book series in order to get a trademark. So even if it's just more than one book and you've come up with a part two, that still qualifies. Um, but it could it could be different in other countries. Um, like I'm not sure what the law is in the European Union when it comes to trademarks. Can you get a trademark for just one single book? I'm not entirely sure. However, I think it would be similar to the U.S. because uh, trademarks have an international treaty where there's member countries, and they they their whole goal is to harmonize trademark laws globally. So. People who are uh, getting trademarks in one member country can get benefits in another member country as well if they file on time. But for um, any model processes, again, it would be the entire book. If you've put it down in an ebook form or or a template form, that entire template can be submitted for copyrights. And if it is um, a very unique process and method that no one honestly had thought of before, and it's very unique. You can even look into getting a patent to protect that particular model because patents protect innovation and something new. So each intellectual property will protect a different aspect. But just for books and courses, hands down, if, if you are uh, U.S.-based or if your business is U.S.-based or you have clients and customers in the U.S., 100%, as soon as you come out with a book, Uh, as soon as you have a course, it is recommended now, especially because there's so much activity in the online space that you submit it for copyright registration. So in this uh, in this specific part of self-publishing, it's quite common that there's a book and then there's some kind of a course or a program or something that has the same more or less content, but in video form with some coaching add-on. Would I need to protect each of those or is it enough that I protect the book and then the other the concepts are already automatically protected 
So that's a great question. And it would very much depend on your business goals, honestly. If the main focus is the book, then obviously the book needs to go and get registered. Now, it is recommended that anything that goes along with the book should also go for copyright registration. And actually, this is something important that uh, I want to share with your audience because timing is is a very important thing in copyright registration that also we uh, learned recently is if you submit your copyright registration, the book, um, the courses, um, the videos, if you submit it before it's launched and available for sale, then you can most of the time put it all together as a collection and submit it as part of one application. However, if your book is launched, uh, your courses are launched, everything is launched, then generally the rule is that each creative work, so your your course that goes with the book, the course needs to have its own application and the book needs to have its own application. So it is also a timing issue is if you are uh, sure that you're not going to change the course or this course is going to be a companion for this book for as long as the book is around, then it makes sense to get a copyright registration for the course as well. Because also, you also want to think from the point of view of lawsuits, is how attorneys think, um, is if you can get damages for copyright infringement on your book, on your online course, on your videos, these are three separate avenues. And your damages that you can collect from an infringer who's copying your work is much higher than versus if it was just one avenue, uh, which is, say, the book. Um, and also, if your online course is going to be um, uh, like an offshoot, if it's going to have different versions, like it's going to be updated yearly, then it's definitely recommended that you get that registration. But if you don't think this online course is going to be around for long, or it's just something experimental, you're not really sure, then from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense. But if it's going to be around for at least a year, it's recommended. Okay. So uh, two questions in terms of uh, uh, the process and the creation process. How early can I protect my uh, my work? And I'm asking because quite uh, quite often... Uh, we recommend that you involve your audience in the creation of the book. But as soon as you start sharing those models, you're actually putting yourself at risk. So how early on can you actually start protecting it? And the second question is, what if I then create a second edition or I add more content to my online course? Would I then have to renew my application? Uh, great questions. Uh, so... If you add more content to your online course, um, then yeah, you you would need to update your registration. So that is that is a given. And if it's 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 a substantial change, because if it is not a substantial change, then I wouldn't honestly worry about it because copyrights protect derivatives. So which means is um, you as a creator have the right to create derivatives out of your copyrighted work. So if you already have an original work and you want to make minor changes, minor updates to it, that's fine. Um, I, I also like to think from a business perspective that as, as if I'm speaking just as an attorney, my answer to you would be, yes, you do. 
as soon as you update something, as soon as you change something, if you want to be absolutely safe, you need to submit a, a, an updated copyright application. From the point of view of a business owner, I would say that it's not as critical as if you were making substantial changes. If it is a minor change, like you took out a paragraph, for example, that you don't want that in, in your in your course anymore, or you deleted a module, and now your module instead of 10, it has eight modules. Um, I don't think it, you need to update it. However, if the changes are substantial, that you're adding a whole new module, and there's a lot of new content, a lot of new principles being taught, then the answer is yes, I think you should go forward and update that registration. Um, and then uh, for your other question, how early can you start? From a legal perspective, there is no bar. If you want to submit, like you, for example, you've done one module and one module is ready and you want to share it with your audience, um, there's nothing stopping you from submitting just that one module. You could submit that one module and get a copyright registration on that. And then when your other modules come up, you can do that per module as well. Um, but if you are going to wait a little and then see that, okay, if I finish up the whole thing, maybe I'll make changes to module one once module eight is done. If you want to do that and you have a set timeline, like, okay, within the next three months, this is going to be done. Then I would say wait for three months and then submit it because then it can all go as part of one application. So it saves you time and saves you money. Um, and as far as disclosing information to your audience is concerned, this is a, this is like a sticky point because you you definitely want to market and promote your work and have people get excited about your work and hyped up. Um, but the way you show it is going to be a little different. You you want to give people an idea of okay, this is what I'm working on, but they really don't need to know the nitty gritty details. Like all of that content that you've prepared, you could probably do a sneak peek. Um, but definitely not recommended to like, I, I've seen like some people like, oh, I'm going to give you my module one access to module one for free um, while I'm creating this, this online course. If that is your marketing intention, if, the, if that's your marketing plan, then that approach is recommended where you just submit module one for registration if you're going to give access to people. Um, but if you're not going to give access like that and people are just going to get behind the scenes peak then yeah just you have to get creative like you can give them an idea okay this is what's coming these are this is the outline this is my offer outline this is what i'm going to be presenting to you but the actual content inside that course that needs to be just sealed off protected uh, you don't want people to just like grab that and start making their own online courses so so there's no a uh... A time limit from I can uh, just I'm just imagining a process because one recommendation could be that finish up your book, register the book, then start your marketing <laughs> and publish it uh, a little bit further ahead. Simply putting some uh, promotional waiting time in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you know, I mean, that would be the super safe way of doing it. Um, but if you want to market your book and promote your book, by all means, do it. If you even want to read parts of your book out, like if you're doing an IG live and you want to read an excerpt from your book, again, by all means, do it. 
But what becomes tricky is when people get copied is when they can readily access and get documents that have your content in it. So if you are uh, posting snapshots of your book, like the pages inside that book, and you can read one whole page, that's the danger. That's when people have access to your material and they can just copy it. But if you even like, put like gifts and other stuff on on the page itself. So it covers part of it, but it shows a small part of the book. And you can even choose to share a quote from the book. I think that's fine. Like it's very hard for someone to grab something like that and just run with it without context. Um, But yeah, uh, you have to be very creative about how much you want to share with your audience on a public platform before it's registered. And as far as sharing it with, um, say, publishers or other people, I've even had um, potential clients that said that, you know, they're nervous about sharing their written work with even agents or publishers or people like that, because they think that, you know, what if there is a leak? What if this gets disclosed? And for those scenarios, when it's not really available to the public, but you're showing it's to someone who you think is going to be on your team. So it could be someone you hire, a freelancer, or even an agent or a publisher, anyone. You can have non-disclosure agreements in place with them where they understand that they are going to have access to your material for a very specific purpose. And that purpose could be depending on what their role is. If, if they are going to be a graphic designer, then their purpose is to get access to that material, come up with design concepts, and prepare the graphics for you. And that is it. They can't use it for any other purposes. If they do, then you have a le- you now have legal recourse against them. You can actually sue them for breach of contract. So th- those are practical measures you can take with your, within your own business and with your own team um, to make sure that your information does not get disclosed and your work is not being copied. But as far as your audience is concerned, you have to get very, very creative where you want to continue marketing and promoting it. Otherwise, you know, who's going to know about your work product? But the way you do it has to be very intentional. You cannot share uh, like pages and pages of your book uh, because then it's it's very easy for someone to copy your work. Okay. That's amazing information. Thank you for that. So let's let's uh, just shift a little bit to talk about how do I avoid then as an author to violate other people's rights? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent question. I love that question. And this is a very, very common question um, that I get that, you know, how do you make sure that you're not uh, mistakenly or unintentionally violating other people's copyrights? And one of the things I'll say is it goes back to Things that we learned when we were in school, that when you are using someone else's work or you're referencing someone else's work, always give them credit. So that is step one. Um, Step two is you always want to be mindful that when you are submitting the copyright application, that you exclude parts of your work that are not really your work. So, uh, for example, if it's a course or a book, and you have um, a paragraph uh, or, or a quotation from Oprah, uh, something about you know leadership and time management. It could be anything, but you have a quote from someone else, say for example Oprah. So when you're submitting your copyright application, there is a there is a section in the application that says, can, "Do you want to exclude anything? Are there any exclusions?" 
and that's when you can where you can exclude other people's work that that is referenced in your book so you are also giving them that respect that you're not claiming that the entire book or the entire course is copyrightable because part of it is not really your work so that's something the other uh, option which actually proved to be really beneficial for one of my clients she was working on um uh, uh, on a book on a, on a manual actually for a specific uh, professional industry and she had quoted one of the industry leaders um he was a coach that was very well known in that specific industry and um she wanted to know what to do so we followed the steps and one additional step that i added i said if it's okay and if this is something that you're comfortable doing why don't you reach out to his rep or reach out to him i'm sure he has an email somewhere on his website and you can let him know that i am writing this book it's related to this and you are very inspiring and i love your work and a part of um part of the book will have your materials and i'm giving you credit and it's referenced properly but i just wanted to see if you're okay with that obviously put it in like nice professional terms and see what they say for this particular client of mine it turned out to be a business opportunity because his his um manager replied to the email about after about a week and said can you actually send us a a, a copy of your book we we're interested in checking it out if this is something that is very aligned to what we do we wouldn't mind promoting it as well and it turned into a uh, a collaboration and she couldn't believe it she was like oh my god this is amazing like i'm going to reach a huge audience now like such a big audience and it all just started because i wanted to get permission from him so i could use yes. some of his words so you know that is something that in fact did she did she in fact need the permission from a um, legal from a legal point of view did she need it when when do you need the permission or when can you just uh, credit people yeah so that's a great question it depends on the amount of work that you're using there you know if you're asking for permission even legally speaking it's always a good idea it's always a good idea because you can show in your written records that you had asked for permission and if this person doesn't respond then you know you follow the other protocols you go ahead with your work you exclude their work from your copyright and it's great um but if they actually turn around and tell you expressly no i don't want you to do it then you just saved yourself a huge headache um and you know that okay this person doesn't want me to share their work so imagine if you had written the whole book sent it for publication and like i don't know hundreds of copies have been printed then you're about to submit your copyright application and this person's like no you can't use my work so all of this money is now going down the drain because now you don't have their permission so if you can if you go ahead and still use that work is going to be willful copyright infringement and yes. we don't want that because the damages are extraordinarily high when infringement is willful or intentional so for those reasons it's always recommended if you're going to use someone else's work and if it is someone that not even if it's someone not that big even if it's someone who's part of your industry and you know them reach out to them and get that permission it just makes your life easier legally speaking as well Yes. <laughs> so it's also rather unethical and uh, I can add that if you are looking to publish on uh, a KDP on Kindle Direct Publishing with Amazon 
you might get your account terminated as well from there because obviously they don't support that kind of behavior. So in terms of quotes, I can use, your recommendation is that I can use, uh, I should ask for permission. I have to exclude it in my copyrights. Anything else? What if it's Uh, my own work, if I interviewed the person? I, I I interview a person uh, with the purpose of uh, writing a book, and they know that already. Can I then just use uh, the uh, use quotes from what they say? I think so. I think because that does qualify as permission. So if when you are interviewing someone and they know in what context um, the interview is going to be used, if then it's fine. Um, but I would also recommend that you get a written contract with this person because one thing to also be mindful of is like we talked about earlier whenever someone is contributing something to your work it is their copyright so even when you're interviewing them and they uh they understand what's happening that their words are going to be used say in a book that you're writing it's important to get a written written contract in which they waive their rights to assert any copyright claims in the future because if there is no such waiver if there is no such contract we we like to think people are good which they are but there is really nothing legally stopping this person from coming to you after a few years or a few months and going Malene you know I I thought about it your book is doing so well wouldn't it be great if I got 10% royalty for each sale that you made because well, I contributed to your book and I own part copyrights to it. That's a very practical and realistic scenario that could happen. Um, and so it's always recommended that you have it tra- that you have the rights transferred in writing, even if you're interviewing someone. Okay. Anything I didn't ask you that an author should know? What what are the, the key recommendations? I think one of my key recommendations would be that, you know, as um, as a writer, as an author, you're obviously bringing something really beautiful to this world. You're expressing your expertise, you're, uh, you're bringing in your experience, you're writing stories. That's all really powerful. Um, but also, if you are going to think of this as a business and not just as a passion project, to think in terms of, okay, if this is a business, then everything that I'm creating is an asset and how can I protect it? Copyrights are one part of it. Um, if you're going to be creating a book series, think about coming up with a name for your book that can be a good trademark. That is not generic in your industry. If you see a lot of people in your industry, say if you are a mindset coach and you're coming up with a book and if you see a lot of people in your industry are using words like, um, empower your mind or things like that from a trademark perspective you want to stay away from generic words and generic names like that it does two things one it definitely makes an impression on people who hear your book name or who uh, who come across your book is if it's a unique name people are more likely to remember it it's not generic so they'll be like oh okay that book I remember if it's something like the apple of my brain for example <laughs> and if it's got to do with mindset Um, People will remember that versus your mindfulness, this, that, that. Also, from a trademark perspective, that's a strong brand. When you have a unique brand presence, even if it's a book series, 
Um, like if you think about the Harry Potter book series or now a wheel of time is on Amazon prime, all of these books that are being, uh, you know, turned into movies and, and shows all of it kind of stems back to the fact that they have very impactful names. Like when you listen to the name of that book, you remember what the story is immediately. You understand, uh, uh, you know, what the arc of the characters are going to be. And there's a certain feeling that you get. And that's what you want to achieve with your books as well. It doesn't have to be something like Harry Potter or We Love Time, which are fantasy novels. And I'm, I'm referencing those because I really like fantasy. <laughs> but even <laughs> if you're not writing a book in, in that category and it's, um, it's got to do with coaching and mindset or, you know, healthy eating, whatever it is. Think of unique names. Don't come up with generic names where it's hard for people to remember. And if someone types your name, there's a hundred other hits coming up. It's, even from an SEO perspective, that's not really helpful. So I think that is one thing that I would definitely encourage writers to think about is how can you turn this book into a brand itself? Yeah. So, yeah, and that's closely related to being able to protect it as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. Thank you so much. I'm going to link to uh, different resources uh, in uh, the show notes so that the listeners can go check you out. And uh, well, just thank, thank you. Thanks a million for finally being <laughs> on the podcast. I know it took it took us a while, but but we did it. So I'm actually very proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I get to meet you sometime. <laughs> same here. Same here. If, you, if you're in Los Angeles, please let me know. I, I'd love to grab coffee with you. And if I'm in Denmark, that that's where Denmark. You are. Yeah, Copenhagen. <laughs> oh wow! I I it's on my bucket list to go to Copenhagen. So if I'm there, yeah, I'll I'll hit you up. I'll host you gladly. <laughs> okay. Thank you for now. Thank you so much, Malene. I hope you have a lovely rest of the week. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Thanks. That's it, folks. I hope you found that valuable. A quick reminder to seek your own counseling about the legal aspects of your own business specifically. Most listeners here are course creators, and if you're one of them, you'll want to listen to the other half of the interview with Nasira on the Marketing Made Human podcast, episode number 37, where she'll walk you through some other important legal aspects of your business that you should definitely pay attention to and deal with. Now, talk to you soon. Bye for now. Have a good one.